This program is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland. Okay, on today's show, I'm speaking to Janelle Cahoon. She's an opera singer with many other talents. Due to complications with uh, type 1 diabetes, she lost her vision, uh, but she did not let her disability beat her. So she kept pushing boundaries. Welcome to Invincibility, Janelle. Thanks, Marty. Great to be on here. Uh, when did you start singing uh, opera and who was your inspiration for it? So I studied music when I was at school. So I actually played trumpet and sang in different musicals and in choirs. And I decided that I wanted to be a singer in musical theatre. And um, my mum found me a teacher who was a student at the Conservatorium of Music. And that teacher said to me, why would you sing musical theatre when you can sing opera? So that's actually what changed my mind to decide to be an opera singer. And um, from there, I started listening to some of the greats like Pavarotti and um, Dame Joan Sutherland. When I listened to one of her recordings, I was just blown away and just said, wow, how can so, so one voice have such beauty? And that was pretty much my inspiration to then pursue it as a career. Mm. Um, I found out you've performed with the late Joan Sublin. How was that experience for you? Uh, it was absolutely amazing because she is, or she was, she still is, <laughs> such a legend. And so when I was um, given the part, uh, I obviously was so excited and I got to sing in a trio with her. And um, it was really funny, one night, um, my skirt got caught up because I was wearing this big hoop skirt and my skirt had got caught up and because I had my back to the audience at the moment, Dame Joan was, you know, pointing pointing downwards with a finger, like trying to indicate to me that I needed to check what was happening, you know, down. And so that's when I realised that my skirt was all caught up and had to just quickly flick it so that the audience didn't see that I was showing all of my petticoats. Ah, uh, my brother-in-law Dean suffered from type one diabetes. How did that affect you, Janelle? Uh, enormously. So, because I've had type one diabetes since I was ten, and I started to get all the complications when I was in my twenties, and so I was actually uh, singing with the Australian Opera, and then I was over in Germany singing with the Frankfurt Opera when I started to lose my sight from diabetes. So by the time I was 29, I'd completely lost my sight. And that meant the end of my career in Germany. Luckily, it didn't mean the end of my career in, in Australia because they were more prepared to accept me as a blind opera singer, but it meant the end of my career there. And then I followed that up with a whole lot of other complications like my kidneys fell. So I was on dialysis for three and a half years. I've had a pancreas kidney transplant. I've had a heart attack. I've had a number of other complications to do with diabetes. So it's completely impacted on my 
life and on my career and what I'm now able to do and what I would have been doing if diabetes hadn't have interrupted the course of my life. And what was it like for you moonlighting at Expo 88 and what was the best part of it? So Expo 88 in Brisbane was absolutely amazing because it was just filled with people from all around the world. And because I was actually studying my postgraduate of opera at the conservatorium at the same time as I was singing full-time at XO88 as a street entertainer, so the conservatorium all thought I was never going to sing opera again because I was singing popular music over at the expo site. But the amazing thing was, was meeting all these thousands of other entertainers from around the world and especially the street entertainers because they really do it tough because they're working to crowds like basically busking or trying to find the next festival where they can go and perform, you know, whether it's juggling or magic or acrobatics. So uh, I, I absolutely had a most fantastic time for the six months of the expo. Hmm. You're a workshop facilitator. Could you tell our listeners what that entails? So I actually run quite a few different workshops. It depends on what has come up. So because I'm a writer as well as a, as a singer and musician, uh, so at the moment I've just put in a proposal to run a, a writer workshop. Uh, the topic I proposed was writing authentic characters with disability in fiction. Um, but when I've run music workshops, which is what I've been running over in India and Sri Lanka for, well, until until the coronavirus, I was going over every year to perform in a festival in India and was also running workshops. So I was running workshops for mostly an audience for with people with disabilities. And so most of them also didn't speak English. So it was all about doing very visual or hearing things that people could just either watch me or listen to me and copy. So it was things like asking the names of people and then clapping the rhythm of their name. So like I'd say Janelle or Marty or Pete. So it's clapping the rhythm of a name or a sentence and then it's also playing two notes and whether one note goes up or down. So then basically using our body to show whether the note's gone up or down. Um, then I do some singing vocal workshop um, exercises. So warm ups, especially ones that people find really fun and teach, teach a little something to sing. So that's the, the, workshops I run when I'm working with people with disability. Um, you've been overseas, Janelle. What's the most rewarding thing about that? And do you have any tours in the near future? So I absolutely love travel. I try to travel overseas every year at least once. So I apply for lots of festivals and engagements and conferences overseas where I can get overseas without me having to pay for it um, because I'm not really into just holidaying overseas. I like working overseas where I can really meet the people and see how the general population operate. 
Unfortunately, at the moment with the coronavirus, um, well, I've actually been invited to perform in the festival in New Delhi in November, but because of what's happening in India at the moment and because of Australia really having its borders pretty much closed to people going outside, uh, out of Australia as well as into Australia, I'm not sure I'll make it overseas this year, um, but I had an invite to come to Iran and do workshops as well and some performances. So maybe once the borders are open, I'll be able to go back to the festival in New Delhi and then also on to Iran where I'll do these other music workshops and performances. COVID-19 has made it really hard for musicians. How does this affect you? So because I run an entertainment and production agency, so normally I'm sending people out to work at different places. And last year especially, there was just no work for anyone. So it meant that I didn't have any work. I wasn't getting any inquiries about people to perform at festivals or or conferences or launches. So it meant I didn't have any work either which meant I was really impacted because I hate being bored. I like to be occupied all the time. I ended up doing five different online university courses instead to keep myself occupied. But it meant that all of my artists were unemployed and I actually felt more sorry for most of my artists because a lot of them who rely on the income from performing basically you know, didn't have any income unlike me at least who's on a disability pension so at least I can still afford to feed myself but a lot of my friends um, didn't even have that luxury. Mm. Um, tell us more <laughs> about writing crime novels and how long it takes you to write one. So because I've always been writing and just came across that because I love reading crime novels that I also enjoy writing crime short stories and crime novels. So that's how I got into writing. And I've been the convener of Sisters in Crime, which is a female crime writing group from, you know, women from around the world. And um, how long does it take to write a crime novel? Well, it's kind of how long is a piece of string because the first draft can go fairly quickly, but fairly quickly you're still talking months and months. Uh, it's the second draft when you have to go through and work out where you've made mistakes, where the plot doesn't work, where the characters don't work, where you need to add something else in, where you need to take bits out. That's the time consuming. So that can easily take another year to to rewrite that. And then, then maybe finally you're up to the stage where you can submit it to an agent or a publisher, but um, yeah, it's a it's a really long process to write any novel or even a short story takes quite some time. Um, you're an amazing archer. Could you tell us how that came about and what have you achieved from the sport? So when I was doing an arts leadership mentorship over in Wales, I looked up what else happened in this little tiny village where I was staying while I was doing this um, arts leadership mentorship. And it just turned out 
they were doing archery on a Friday evening in an 18th century cathedral nave. And I thought that just sounded so funny that I said, I want to go and try that. So I went down and said to the lady taking it, I said, um, are you prepared to take a blind archer? And it just turned out that she was an ex-Olympic Welsh uh, champ champion archer and she instructed blind archers previously. So she said, absolutely no problem. Um, I'd be happy to show you how to do archery. And so she showed me how to do archery and I actually thought it was really fun. And then she told me how I could get into it once I got back to Australia, who to contact, which is what I did. And so even though normally I probably wouldn't follow something like that and I've never been into anything sports, so it was quite a surprise to myself even that I actually followed it up and then got so heavily involved. So since then, after I learned how to do archery and then spent a year training on it and getting slowly better, I entered my first competition when I got a silver in the indoor national competition. And then, then six months later, I entered the outdoor uh, um, championships. So I got the gold medal for the um, national blind archery champion, the, the V1, so basically the totally blind group because they have two different groups of blind archers. And since then, I've retained my title and got the national indoors. So I've got the national outdoors and indoor titles at the moment. And uh, the in a few months' time, the next national indoor competition is coming up. So I'm hoping to retain my title there. Although I've got a, another blind archer from Brisbane who I got involved, who's very keen to to get the, the title from me. As you mentioned, you have a um, production company that promotes musicians with a disability. Could you tell us more about that? So when I arrived back from Australia blind, I was trying to find work for myself and finding it very difficult and realised that what I really needed was an agent to be putting my name forward or to be approaching venues and festivals and promoting me and when I realized there were no agents or productions agency doing that I got supported by Access Arts the disability arts organization here in Brisbane to start up an agency um, specializing in representing professional artists with disability and so then I started putting in for government contracts and contracts with festivals and and other you know, launches and conferences and getting my artists with disability lots of different opportunities and work and, and um, producing concerts as well. So I've produced about 1,400 events since I started up. That was in 1999 I started my agency and really enjoy producing and really enjoy getting artists with disability work. Mm. And what's your favourite opera uh, you like to sing? So I am a really big fan of Aida by Verdi, which will actually be playing at QPAC at the end of this year. And so 
the role of Aida, so the title role, is absolutely my favourite role to sing as well. And I've performed in Aida a number of times, not singing the title role, I've sung one of the roles in it. And um, I always stood backstage the whole time listening to, to the Aida person singing and learning the role. So that's absolutely my favourite buffer. And just finally, where can our uh, listeners find more information about you? So I'm, I'm fairly broadly spread across the internet if anyone Googles my name, but I have a website which is Salubrious Productions. So it's www.salubrious, that's S-A-L-U-B-R-I-O-U-S, productions.com. And that's where you can find me and you can find my production company and a whole lot of my artists with disability as well. And thank you for joining us today, Janelle. Thanks for inviting me. It's been great to talk to you. It's time to invest in yourself at the University of Southern Queensland. With over 110 degrees available, now is the time to study with a university that supports you. With flexible study options, you can choose to speed your degree up or go at your own pace. Whether you study online, on campus or both, you're in control. Come out on top when you study with Australia's number one university for graduate starting salary. Your time starts now. Start study in July at the University of Southern Queensland. Apply at usq.edu.au slash your time.